Hello, I'm Pastor Rick, and welcome to our podcast. I hope that the message that you're about to hear will bless and encourage you today. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, coming up on the screen, this is God's heart for the lost. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires all men to be saved. This is the end result. This is what God desires. All men to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Many of us have memorized John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him or on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love is so great that he sent his son and his ultimate place that he wants everybody is to be saved, to be rescued, to be born again, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. A lot of terms for the same thing, but God's ultimate desire is that we be saved. We're going to go to the book of Acts immediately, so if you'd grab whatever form of Bible you have, either paper or um, uh, device, and we're going to be in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Let me give you a little background. Um, This is the beginning of what they call Paul's second missionary journey. The Apostle Paul went out a, a few years before this and began to plant churches in the Mediterranean region. He came back to the uh, starting place for him, which was a church in a town called Antioch. Antioch was a home base. Then he was sent to Jerusalem, and they they worked uh, on some doctrinal things in Jerusalem. Then he came back to Antioch, and after a period of time, Paul said, I want to go back and check on those churches. And so he put together a team. He chose a man by the name of Silas, And they set out on this second missionary journey. We're going to pick it up in uh, chapter 15, verse 40, which is a very important verse. It says, Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. It's important because he wasn't just going out on his own. It says that the church there, that church in Antioch, entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. They sent him out. Now, let's begin to read in chapter 16. If you could bring it up on the screen, please. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day, we landed in Neapolis. From there, we reached Philippi a major city in that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside of the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay in my home. And 
as she urged, and she urged us until we said yes. Lydia and her household heard the message and ended up being saved. God came in, cleansed of sin. They were saved. Not only her, but her household, whether her household was there at the river or whether Paul and Lydia and Silas spoke to the rest of her household, the scripture doesn't say. It just said that she and her household were saved. They believed the gospel and they were baptized. I'm going to read to you a little bit of a story about a man named Anthony. Anthony is a student at Ball State University and our Chi Alpha missionaries, Joey and Hannah Coons, serve at Ball State University. And in their newsletter, they said this, that Joey met Anthony during Welcome Week, when the students are moving into the dorms. And Anthony did not grow up with a Christian background. But Anthony started coming, and he was very faithful to the Chi Alpha groups and meetings during the semester. And then on their fall retreat... Anthony opened up and told Joey this, I thought I was going to hell before this. And Joey continued to write that he has watched things change for Anthony. Since joining our community, our Chi Alpha community, he feels as if he has turned a new page in his life. He said he believes the gospel and is following Jesus, and he is looking forward to being baptized in water soon. Someone else saved. In Romans 10, Paul describes the process that each person in these stories and all of us went through before we received salvation, before we got to the end down there for saved. So if you would turn to Romans 10 or just look up in the screen, we're going to read verse 4 and then we're going to jump ahead and start in verse 8. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Being made right with God or being in a right relationship with God is the same thing as salvation. It means that there is no longer any division between us and God because Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins. Now, in verse 8, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare or other translations say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile... Are, in this, are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lydia and her household were saved. Anthony was saved. What was necessary for that to happen? Well, before they could be saved, they would need to call they would need to pray. They would need to call out to Jesus. The Bible said in verse 13, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So before they could be saved, they needed to call. But before they could call, they needed to believe. And before they could believe, they needed to hear. They needed to hear the story. Anthony needed to hear the story. Lydia in her household needed to hear. They needed to hear. But before they could hear, somebody needed to tell. And before somebody could tell them, they needed to be sent or someone to send them. You see, Paul and Silas were sent by the church in Antioch. They were sent. So someone sent them. And when they got there, they told about Jesus Christ. They're at the riverbank to Lydia and her household. Lydia and her household heard the story. And because they heard the story and the Holy Spirit was working, they believed the gospel. They already knew about God, but they needed to understand God's way of making people right through the blood of Jesus Christ. They believed, they called out to God, and they were saved. It's a process. Anthony, the same thing. Somebody sent Joey and Hannah Coons. As a matter of fact, we are part of the ones who sent Joey and Hannah. They're one of the missionaries that we support. We sent them to Ball State University to live there, to interact with the students, to be there. And uh, when I was talking to Joey last, which was just as the school semester was starting, now that students were back on campus, he said they were so busy because they were helping students move into the dorms. They had a table set up. They made people aware of Chi Alpha. And so we sent them, and during Chi Alpha, they were telling. Now, in between here, because Joey and Hannah were on the campus, Anthony got to know them. He met them. And over the weeks and the months until fall break, he had heard them tell about Jesus. Anthony heard. By fall break, or not, by the retreat, Anthony believed. He believed the gospel, was not raised in a Christian home, said out of his own lips that he thought he was going to go to hell. He didn't know how he possibly couldn't go to hell. He probably looked at his life, looked at what he was doing, and realized that he knew nothing about God, but because someone was sent who told, someone heard, believed Joey called on the name of the Lord and was saved and is now looking forward. It wasn't Joey, excuse me, Anthony. is now looking forward to being water baptized. The Apostle Paul actually said this. Oh, and if you haven't noticed yet, these are your blanks on your note sheet. Take it backwards from saved because I wanted you to see the process. Now, let's go back to the book of Romans. Book of Romans, we're going to start uh, in verse 13. Follow along on the screen or in your device. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? 
And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. This morning, this whole process is here, but I'm going to spend more time on this part, the send. Because missionaries need to be sent. They need to be sent to nations. They need to be sent to college campuses. They need to be sent to uh, prisons where chaplains, missionary chaplains work. They need to be sent to the Native American tribes here in the United States. Some need to be sent to small towns that don't have an evangelical church. That's what Sherry and I were. We were sent by the Kansas District Council of the Assemblies of God. And we planted a church. We were sent to Marysville, Kansas. And we got to Marysville, Kansas without a building, without a congregation. We had two or three people that were desirous to have a church uh, planted there. And we started. And in that period of time, we told about the goodness of God and what Jesus Christ did. And because we told, people heard the gospel message or they heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. A lot of folks heard that Jesus wanted to personally save them. They grew up in a church that didn't talk about personal salvation, just talked about, hey, if you do these right things, hopefully you'll get into heaven. And we reached what people that I called the religiously lost. They had religion in their background, very similar to Lydia in the story, because it said Lydia knew about God. She worshiped God, but she hadn't been told about how to be made right with God, how Jesus Christ had come, and that you could have a personal relationship. We had a lot of people in our community that we told about the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they heard that they could be born again. And they were born again because they began to believe what I was preaching and what the Bible said. They prayed, they called on the name of the Lord, and they were saved. They were saved. We're going back to the sending part because missionaries, when they're sent, also need to be kept on the field. And I didn't do a little banner for kept. They need to be kept on the field. That means they need finance to come in. Virtually all missionaries do not have the ability, because they work outside of the borders of the United States, to have an income from a job. The income that they have comes from people like you and I who give in missions offerings, and then it's distributed through the Assemblies of God, the General Council, or we send some checks directly to missions organizations and families. We send uh, uh, missions dollars to Clarity here in Columbus. Uh, we send missions dollars to an organization called Chosen People Ministries that is working amongst the, uh, the, the Hebrews, the, the Jews in New York and around the world. We send those dollars so that those people could be kept. They were able to be doing what they do. And that's where you and I come in with our monthly giving. We have sent people out. They are meeting with people to tell them the message. And then as people hear, and this is where a lot of times 
there is more time. These are all pretty much equal. But for many people who hear the message, they don't make an immediate decision. Lydia made an immediate decision. Anthony, it took numerous months before he made a decision. There are others that the missionaries tell and they hear that can take multiple months or years, such as Imran. Imran is a believer in India. Imran is a believer because we sent and continue to give and send workers to India, two that came from this church. They have been telling the story. They developed a relationship with Imran and many others. They were telling the story. Imran was hearing the story. And then they were praying, as I'm sure Joey and Hannah were praying, because after people hear, Sometimes they don't immediately make a decision. It was multiple months. They remained in relationship with Imram. They continued to tell. He continued to hear. He asked questions. They continued to tell. He continued to hear. And then one day, Imram believed. He believed the gospel. He believed what the missionaries were telling him. And then he prayed, called upon the name of Jesus. And he was saved. Imram came from a Muslim background. He chose Jesus and rejected Islam, rejected Muhammad. And ultimately, he was water baptized as a public profession that he is a follower of Jesus. Stories like I've just walked through are happening every month. They're happening in Mexico, Hungary, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Israel, Africa, India, Vanuatu, Equatorial Guinea, Peru, South Africa, the Philippines, and Papua New Guinea. Wales, Morocco, France, China, Cambodia, Native American tribes, prisons in Alaska, college campuses across Indiana. Each of these mission, uh, each of these nations, we have missionaries there that we support on a monthly basis. In Mexico, Hungary, Costa Rica, we have missionaries working. In Nicaragua, Israel, Africa, India, Vanuatu, Equatorial Guinea, Peru, South Africa, the Philippines, and Papua New Guinea, we have a missionary family that is serving. In Wales, Morocco, France, China, Cambodia, amongst Native American tri- tribes, uh, in, in uh, prisons, in Alaska, and in college campuses in this state, missionaries are walking through this. They have been sent by us, and they are telling people the good news about Jesus. People are hearing. They pray. People believe. They call upon the name of the Lord, and they are saved. Those countries that I spoke about, if you go to our missions table, you will find them with the people who are actually serving in these places so that you can pray. These are the ones we're currently supporting. We hope to continue to support next year. We're going to be asking 
I'm going to be asking very shortly, will you partner? Will you partner with this church? Will you continue to partner with this church to send? To send. So that they can tell. So that others can hear. So that they can believe. So that they can call on the name of the Lord. Repent of their sins. Pray and ask Jesus to come into their life so that they can be saved. Will you partner? Currently our Budget is $5,173 a month. That is what we send out to missions on a monthly basis for an annual budget of $62,076 per year. And you know what? We would like to increase that. There have been missionaries that have visited this church that we haven't yet started to support because we didn't have available funds. How do we know if we're going to have available funds? We ask you to let us know through a faith promise, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Nathaniel chose a song for worship this morning called Reckless Love. Talking about how much Jesus loved us. He loves so much and he gave so much that to the natural mind, that's reckless. You don't do that. You don't die for people who are evil. You don't die for terrorists. You don't die for people that hate you. You don't die for people who crucify you. You don't die for those people, but he did. He did. He loved them so much that he died for them, and it did not matter what they were doing to him or would do. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me, or we can say coming after others. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There is nothing God didn't do or won't do because of his love for us. So here's a question. What are we willing to do because of our love for others and our love for God? Do we love others so much that people might call us reckless? Do we give in such a way that some people might say, you know what, you could use that money to do this or do that or do the other. You could possibly go out to eat more often or you could have a better TV or a better automobile. Would anybody accuse you of your love for the world of being reckless in the way that you love people, in the way that you Give to see that the world is reached. Would they call you reckless? Jesus gave his love, his reckless love for us. Would they call you reckless? Would you put those two statements up on the screen, please? Jesus did so much for you. His love went all the way to the cross for you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Bring the next statement up. What will you sacrifice so that others can be sent, so that they can tell, so the unsaved can hear, so they can believe, and after they have believed that they can call on the name of the Lord and be saved? What will you sacrifice so that others can hear, believe, and be saved. I talked to you about Imram 
after he was saved, do you know what he's doing now? He's very gently talking to family members. He's talking to his friends. Remember, he's a former Muslim. He could lose his life for converting. But he's telling others. Because we sent, someone told him, he heard, he believed, he called, he was saved. Now he is telling, and others are hearing. And he's praying that they will believe so that they could call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Could you bring up the next slide, please? In every seat are what are called faith promise cards. Unless you have already prayed through this and have decided what God has told you to give, I just want you to pick one of those up and look at it. And I want you to take it home. And if you earn an income, if you have some type of an income, I want you to consider what you will do. For some of you, I want to talk to you. You have never made a faith promise for missions. Maybe you've never given to missions. Sherry and I, we didn't give to missions until somebody made us aware of how that partnership that we would have with missionaries, how it was used, and we began to gain a heart for missions. Sherry grew up on the mission field, so she had more of a heart for this than I do, but the Holy Spirit worked on me. And we began to make what's called a faith promise. This is a promise that God will bring into your household enough that you can meet this. Now, if this is your first time, I'm going to ask that you pray. Ask God what he would like you to do and be open to hear what he has to say. It may surprise you. What? That's where it becomes a faith promise. This is what you give. Sherry talked earlier about the tithe. You don't give a tithe. You return the tithe. God owns it all. Every bit of your income is God's. He just asks for you to return 10%. He asks for you to return the 10% so that he can see where your heart is. Can you be trusted? Can you be trusted? And then he says, now, will you give offerings on top of this? Missions giving is an offering on top. It comes on top of your tithe so that we can continue to keep missionaries on the field, maybe send some new ones out. Now, if you've already been supporting missions, as Sherry and I have in our 10 years here, plus our 20 years back in Marysville, plus the years back at our other churches, we have been giving to missions. If you had a faith promise from last year, what would God have you do this year? Would he have you increase? Would he have you double? That might be a step of faith for many of us. If he asked us to double, uh, Sherry and I would spend a lot of time praying that. But what would he have you do this year? Because one of the things that happens with missions is they, uh, they are impacted by inflation just like we are. We really like, if possible, to give a COLA, cost of living increase, to our missionaries on a yearly basis, knowing that inflation has hit them too. Several years we've been able to do that. And as you 
support missions more deeply. And this goes for people at home. I know that there are many of you, and I, I, I've seen some of the checks come in the mail, that are continuing to support missions even though you're unable to come in person. Thank you so much. I thank you, but our missionaries thank you for your faithfulness to the kingdom of God. If you've never done this before, what would God have you to do? If you've been giving, again, take your faith promise card. If you have an income of some type, if you need to talk to a spouse because this is something that you do as a couple, then you talk together, what would God have you to do? And you may be surprised at what he says. I, I read this recently, and I decided I'd use this statement in this message. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. God may be calling you to do something, and you don't have to understand why he would have you do that. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And the step into your destiny, to step into your destiny, you have to step away from your security. There are individuals, I've been one at times, I'm sure there are some in this building or some that are watching, that when we talk about missions, when we talk about giving on top of the tithe, when we talk about reaching the world for Jesus, it takes you out of your comfort zone. It takes you out of your security because you say, where are we going to get that money? If God has given you a mount, then let's trust him to bring it in. And it may come in in many different ways. As Sherry shared during the offering today that a lot of times we're looking for the big gigantic blessing when it's the small blessings that come in that we don't recognize are the hand of God. It's the car that runs longer than it should have. It's the appliance that hasn't broken down. It's the HVAC system that you know is 22 years old, but when they came out and uh, inspected it, they said, this is running just fine, and you don't have to replace it. As a matter of fact, you've probably gotten several extra years. Most of those are good for 15 to 18. If you've gotten 22 years, you've had a four-year blessing already. And if you get another four years out of that, that's an eight-year blessing. You don't always know where the blessing of God comes I'm going to ask you to pray a daring prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me and pray it out loud. And then expect God to answer. Would you bow your heads and say after me, Lord Jesus, what would you have me give to missions each month for the next year? Lord, you've heard the prayers. Some were prayed with a, a, a small sense of anxiety. But Lord, may those who have prayed now speak to them. Drop a dollar amount in their minds and their hearts over the next month, or over the next week, so that next week they can bring their faith promise card and let us here at the church know what we can expect by faith monthly from them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. While the team comes back to the platform, I don't know who sent these people. It was the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. But there were people in 
my young adult years that I ran into that were followers of Jesus and spoke about the gospel. Some of them were strangers. Some were friends in the church I attended, but there was an emptiness in my own heart. I was religious. I was doing what my church said to do. But there was still an emptiness. And they told me that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I heard what they said, and I, I questioned it. What? Personal relationship with Jesus? Well, my church says all I have to do is this, and I have to do that, and I have to do the other, and then maybe I might get in as long as I do more good than bad. And they said, no, it's a free gift. Well, I was somewhat like Anthony, and that I just continued to meet with this group. I heard what they said. I actually got an old Bible that was around the house and looked up some of the scriptures they talked about. And then after one particular meeting, I went home because at that meeting, I finally believed. I believed what they said about Jesus wanting to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins. I believed, but I didn't call at that point. The meeting ended said goodbye to the group, went back home, found a quiet spot in my parents' home where I was still living at the time. And I bowed my head and I bowed my heart and I called out to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I want what these folks have. I want what these folks have. They said, I just need to pray to you. Here I am. I recognize I'm a sinner. They said that you will forgive me of all my sins and come to live in my heart. Jesus, that's what I want. And as I sat in a wicker rocker to the left side of the fireplace in my parents' family room, I saw that fireplace for the very last time a few months ago as my mom's house was put on the market. She's passed. We sold all of her possessions. I don't know whatever happened to that wicker rocker. But Cherry and I walked the property one more time. Went down to the basement where I played with electric trains, shot pool, worked in my dad's workshop. Walked upstairs and I told Cherry, you know, this, this was my bedroom. Uh, but when I was this age, this was my bedroom. We, we kind of got shifted. Walked on the first floor, the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, what we called the eating area, and then there was the family room. And there was the spot. Fireplace was there. And here was the side of the fireplace that we used to have a wicker rocker that I sat in that day when I called upon the name of the Lord. I bowed my head and I prayed, not a real formal prayer, just a prayer that said, God, here I am. I want what these folks have. And you know what he did? He saved me right there in my parents' family room, sitting in a wicker rocker all by myself. He saved me. I was cleansed of my sin. And you said, well, how do you know you were saved? I'll tell you what, for me, it doesn't happen this way for everyone. Something lifted off of me. 
Many of you probably understand what that's like. I felt my sin go. And then, I, well, was this an emotional thing? I thought to myself, until as the days went by and as the weeks went by, and especially as autumn came, because it was in, around September. The leaves hadn't changed yet. I was driving about 35 minutes from my parents' home to Monroe, Michigan, where I was working in a bank. Drove the same route every day. But that fall, I had never seen such brilliant colors. It was like all of creation was new. I'd already felt it in my heart. I was beginning to see it in the world around me. And then other people began to notice also, you're not the same, Rick. You're not the same. Now, I'll let you in on something. My sisters and my mom said, yeah, he's different, but he's probably just going through a religious phase. We'll see if it lasts. Well, folks, I'm standing here on this platform preaching the gospel, being called into the ministry because it lasted And I started to tell. My sisters got saved because they heard me tell. They believed what I said. They called and they got saved. Talked to my mother, told her. Now, I didn't pray with any of them. They heard my story. Talked to my mother. She heard she didn't do anything right away, but at some point she believed, she called, and she was saved. The person I was most concerned about was my father. He wasn't making any move. Very religious man. Every week he was in church. But over the next 11 years, Sherry and I prayed. Other family members prayed. Occasionally, I'd have a conversation. I'd be able to tell. He was able to hear. I think there were other, some other people that crossed his path. Then one day, and I don't know when it was, he believed. He called. And he was saved. I don't know when it was, but I was sensing a difference. I said, Lord... Would you help me to know if dad is truly saved? And we had an opportunity to drive for multiple hours on a work project. I believe we were driving to get some of our furniture and supplies as we were moving. We spent multiple hours in the car. And during that time in the car, during that conversation, we talked and talked and Jesus came up and I knew that dad had truly been saved and when he died about three four years later I don't remember how many years it was I was able to lead his memorial service with full assurance where he was happens all across the world. It happens in our community. It may happen here today because maybe you're one who you've 
heard. People have told you. They've shared with you the gospel. You've heard it. But you're someplace in here. You're not sure whether you believe it or not. It seems to make sense. Yes, it takes a step of faith. But would today be the day that you may believe and then call? Call on the name of the Lord. Call upon Jesus who died for your sins. When you repent of your sins, his blood that he shed on Calvary. See, you have a debt you cannot pay. He paid a debt he did not earn. Your debt of sin by dying on the cross and shedding his blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Have you received the free gift of his blood washing over your heart, cleansing you of your sins? Would you today call so that you can be saved? Bow your heads. Lord, I don't know who might be in this building today. I don't know who may be at home right now or watching this later on demand. That as I've been talking, your spirit has been speaking to them that today is their day to believe, to call, and then to be saved. We thank you for your overwhelming love, your never-ending love for us. There's somebody like that here this morning. In just a few moments. Help them to take that step of faith to call upon Jesus to be saved. If you're at home, do that also. Just cry out like I did. Lord, I want what that pastor's talking about. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. Just pray a prayer. And if you truly have believed that Jesus Christ died for your sins, he rose from the dead, he has a free gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of sins for you, if you believe, then call on him and say, Lord, save me. And he will do for you what he did for me. Here in the building, in just a moment, after we, I send you guys off, we're going to be singing a song, and then I'm going to invite people to pray the prayer here. But I wanted to make sure that the at-home audience had it first. As we say goodbye to you, our e-family, Pastor Evan will let you know how you can get a hold of us. If you pray that prayer today or sometime this week, would you let us know so that we can rejoice with you about what has happened in your life? Pastor Evan will be coming on now, and he will give you further instruction. Thanks for joining us for this message from Columbus First Assembly. If this message has blessed you in any way, would you share it on your social media feeds so that others can be blessed also? If you would like to join us for an in-person service and you're close to us, we are in Columbus, Indiana, then uh, our services start at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and our church is located on the corner of 10th and Iowa. Once again, thanks for joining us. Look forward to having you join us again soon.